Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today, we speak with Paul Tuttle, Jr. Paul was just 27 when American Chopper Jet Bike premiered on the Discovery Channel, featuring Paul and his father, Paul Sr. That show sparked a full series following the Tuttles and their business, Orange County Choppers, that soon followed in 2003. Six years of family ups and downs ensued, culminating in 2009 with Paul Sr. firing Paul Jr. Today, Paul Jr. has gone on to start his own very successful business and has written a book entitled The Build, Designing My Life of Choppers, Family, and Faith. Paul details the tumultuous time working with his father and his difficult home life as a child and how his faith kept him going in spite of it all. My name is Paul Tuttle uh, Jr. Um, I have a company called Paul Jr. Designs. Uh, We had a TV series called American Chopper. Uh, that was on Discovery Channel for a decade, and um, essentially what we did was we built bikes for um, corporations, charities, or individuals uh, via the television program. That was the content for the show, and we were fortunate enough to do it on a global platform. I grew up in a in a little town called Montgomery, New York, uh, which I which is where I still live currently. Uh, I've been here for almost 43 years now. We were raised Catholic, and um, so we would always go to church on Sunday, and I think my mother kind of really um, championed that for the family. Um, and then I think once I got into my oh, early teens, um, we started going to a non-denominational church, and so uh, from that point on, we kind of, I think maybe um, my mother was a little bit more um, intent on teaching us, you know, uh, what right from wrong and about Christ and, uh, what he means to us. And so she definitely had a big impact on, on how we viewed, um, God and, and she was very consistent about it. I think I was 12 when I accepted Christ and, you know, so you start walking down your own road, you know, you can only go so far on what your parents tell you. And then you have to start experiencing these things for yourself, you know. So I think I really, I started to press in and have my own relationship with God. And, and um, you know, and so I think that was a process um, that, I, that I started to walk through. I think on the outside, my life was kind of all American, apple pie, um, you know, football and cornfields. And, you know, there was never a shortage of things to do or people to play with, you know. Um, but at an early age on the inside, on the, you know, in my house, my father was an alcoholic and um, there was a lot of oh, unrest. It was a very unstable environment because of that. And so that was kind of the other side to my childhood, which was really steeped in, in fear. And you just feel instability as a child, you know, you don't. And I think, you know, it's even harder at that age because you can't put your finger on it. You don't know why you feel um, you know, you, you know, the fights, uh, that you see, um, because of the drinking between my father and mother on a consistent basis all the way through my childhood, it doesn't give a child a sense of, um, safety or comfort. Uh, I think as you get older, you kind of understand what the problem is, but again, you're too, you're, you don't know, you know, you don't have any life experience. So you're relying on your parents to really 
show you how things should be. And when that's out of balance, that really creates a developmental problem, I think, you know. And, and for me, it really manifests itself uh, in a tremendous amount of fear. Um, and it just, you know, fear of everything, <laughs> you know, fear of the unknown, fear of traveling, fear of being away from home, you know, I still struggle with fear at times. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, I think we all do, you know, it's in different measures. It's, it's usually around, uh, you know, big events and things of that nature. Cause we've, we've had, we've gotten into some situations where we've had live events and, you know, very high pressure situations. And so those are always a little unnerving or public speaking is still kind of difficult. There's always this sense that, you know, there's no, there's no, uh, there's nothing that's really uh, ironclad or that you can really depend on. I grew up in my father's house, right? Until I was, well, whatever age. And then I worked for him in the steel business. And then I worked for him in the motorcycle business. So, you know, like two thirds of my life was under my father's control or whatever you want to call it and um, it wasn't it was a very unhealthy dynamic it was a very oppressive environment my exposure to motorcycles came at an early age with my father it being a hobby of his he always had motorcycles and he had one custom bike that he would work on all the time and I would I would be exposed to that but never really a driving desire to do much with motorcycles and I will say at an early age I had a good um, you know mechanical ability I guess I was able to kind of put things together so I could always figure things out troubleshoot and you know mechanically put a bicycle together say at Christmas time you know without really looking at the instructions just the picture and so I always had kind of an aptitude for it um, and if there was something that needed to be put together, people like brought it to me type thing. Um, but I don't think it was anything over the top or exceptional. I just think I liked, you know, putting stuff together. I really started to realize that I had a gift. Um, you know, I was never good in school. I'm, I'm not a book. I'm not a book guy. Um, I feel like I am a smart person. I just don't have uh, academic skills, so to speak. You know. Um, I have no higher education. I have no experience with creative. I have not taken any art classes. I can't draw. I can't draw anything uh, other than a stick figure or an explanation as to what I'm trying to do. So I just kind of organically was able to start to build things and I realized, my goodness, I see something. And I started to express that through the platform or canvas of motorcycles. And, uh, and it was liberating. I feel like God has given me a very unique gift and it is, it is almost, um, I feel like he gives me the ideas. I know that sounds, I don't know, maybe to some crazy and to others obvious. So I feel like, man, I just feel like God has given me a gift to do this. The industry was really booming. Motorcycles were hot and uh, we, we had gotten into it just about the right time. And uh, we got, just got a call one day from a I believe the first time it was like an intern and they said hey you know you guys be interested in, in doing a show possibly a pilot and I said yeah and they said well okay you know it's for discovery and this and that I said yeah we'd be real interested in that you know not thinking much about it other than wow this could be a good opportunity and um, really really after a little while it took like a week and a half we never heard anything and then all of a sudden one day we got a call we were not seeking television 
in any way. We weren't looking for it. We hadn't pitched a show. We just got a call out of the blue. It's like so God, I'm telling you, unbelievable. So, and so he says, here's the deal. He said, I have a full crew. I have them booked in hotels. I got their flights booked, and I and I have a shot picked out that I'm going to film. Uh, that I'm going to film in New Hampshire. We filmed the first episode. Um, it was a new thing for me. I remember I actually talked slower than I should have because I was so intentional. I was so intentional about being honest or clear or I don't know what it was but it's just weird you have cameras in your face I didn't even like my picture taken you know so now you have video cameras in your face and you're doing interviews anyways over time we got used to it and more comfortable but it was about six weeks of filming my father is a very difficult person to work for and so there was always a lot of you know we have very different personalities and so he's very volatile and I'm more laid back. And so it was always a point of contention and there were always arguments and fights and quite often it was an abusive situation. And so that went on forever. But when you're in that, you don't know that. And people say to you, you know, that's not normal. The show aired uh, the first night. We watched it and had mixed feelings because we felt like we looked like idiots because we were fighting and we worked so hard to be try and present like a professional business. Um, the next morning we met at the shop and we just sat there shaking our heads, like literally like we're done. Like this is the worst thing. You know, we looked like idiots and you know, we had our shot and we blew it really feeling like that. And I'd say by the afternoon, we had a secretary at the time and emails started coming in and she started printing out emails cause that's what you did back in 2002, you know, so printing out emails, all of a sudden, by the end of the day, we had like a thousand emails of people who really, really loved the show. And so we realized, whoa, what is this, you know? Um, and then by the evening, we got a call from the producer saying that the ratings were really good. So that was a good thing. And before you knew it, we were doing the second pilot. It really is amazing. And we got to build bikes for all kinds of people, celebrities and corporations. Well, as far as celebrities, Billy Joel, Bill Murray, Will Smith, uh, Russell Crowe, um, Michael Strahan, to mention a few, um, a, lot, a lot of athletes who built bikes for the Yankees, the Jets, the Giants, other hockey teams and um, corporations, Cadillac, Microsoft, um, you know, Geico, um, different companies you may not have heard of, all kinds of tribute bikes. We did the fire bike, which was a tribute to the 343 firemen that died 9-11. Later, I was able to build a bike for the New World Trade Center. Ten years later, um, we had quite a ride. Eventually, it came down to a day where me and my father had a kind of a final blowout and he fired me. And I had always thought, man, I'm going to ride it out and I'll take over the business. And I know it's not always great, but that was always my intention and goal was to stay on and keep, you know, progressing forward. Well, when he fired me, um, obviously I was devastated. I was a part owner in the company and it created all kinds of problems. 
Um, and basically from that point on, I had to figure out how I was going to make a living because I no longer had a job. And I also through my, oh, because I was a part owner, had a one year non-compete. So now here I am, I have to figure out how to make a living without building motorcycles and for one year. That's kind of when I started Paul Jr. Designs and that's when it transitioned into, um, you know, really doing some design work. And I was fortunate enough to get a really great, a, a really great client which is Coleman uh, which is the camping company and we did a we designed a grill together and so and that carried me for quite some time and so you know we were able to kind of get through that one year by doing design work outside of motorcycles and then it was time to um, my one year was up and I said well I'm gonna build bikes again and I really did need the break it was such a long run of such high deadlines and so much pressure that to be honest with you I was done with I didn't want to look at bikes after the separation so when that one year was over I was like I'm ready I'm fresh I'm ready to build bikes and I'm gonna do it for myself this time and what seemed like a really bad situation ended up being one of the best things that had ever happened to me because in the absence of the oppressive environment it allowed me to mature I had to kind of stand on my own more um, I was able to grow um, spiritually and mentally you know um, and so that was a big and even creatively I feel like I was kind of getting a little bit stifled where I was so it just everything started to really develop and it was a very difficult road there was nothing it wasn't like all of a sudden it was easy street it was very difficult but you know through adversity is how we grow right you know I look and I started the show and I was a young guy and I was in a different place and I, you know, I had creative ability and people loved it and you know I feel like maybe my relationship with my father was kind of off base at times and so you know but I, it was what it was right but I think once the once the separation happened, you know, I had to really, um, I had to really figure things out for myself. This is where you really have to be in touch with what God would have you do. Um, and, and this is an area where you can be right, you can be justified, and you could be wrong by responding a certain way. You, you, you might have the right to do it, but if you really feel like you're not supposed to, then you don't. We have these friends, um, they have a ministry called PR Ministries. It's uh, Guido and Celeste, um, they're Michael Guido and Celeste Guido. And they came into our, God really brought them into our lives at an early stage of the separation from OCC. And in any event, I believe um, Celeste gave my wife a book, a Jesus Calling book. This had to be man, eight, eight years ago, nine years ago, something like that. And that kind of kicked it off. Um, and then at some point in time, I got the app. I don't read the book. I listen to the app. And I've listened to the app for like years and years now. So, yeah, you know, it's it's been amazing. And, you know, as part of this, I know one of the things was like, what is your favorite day or verse or... And I've had them through the years. I've had ones where when I hear it... And, and you know, honestly, I was talking to my wife about it. I feel like... My favorite one is the one that makes the most sense for the situation that I'm in for that day. Does that make any sense? And so it's so timely and it always meets you where you are. You know, I think um, things with my father are, I think, better than they've been, but they're not um, really anywhere. I don't know if that makes sense. In other words, we're not fighting, but we're not really hanging out. So I think the fact that we're not at odds, so to speak, is a good thing, but I also think we 
it is progress and I just worked through it and you know what I really got in the word and I really got involved and I think it really began to shape um, shape who I am today right because that's how we learn who we are that's just through the word of God and that's how we uh, that's how we develop hopefully you know to find out more about Paul Tuttle Jr.'s book, The Build, Designing My Life of Choppers, Family, and Faith, visit pauljuniordesigns.com. We'll be right back with more of the Jesus Calling podcast after this brief message from Audible. As a special offering to you, the listeners of the Jesus Calling podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Find your favorite Sarah Young titles, including Jesus Calling and Jesus Always, in an audiobook version, and get it for free by trying audible.com. Check out a small sample of the Jesus Calling audiobook featured at the end of this podcast. To download an entire free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash Jesus Calling. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Jesus Calling for your full free audiobook. Now, on to the second half of our show. Our next guests are part of the Church of St. Agnes in Fort Wright, Kentucky. Reverend Mark A. Keene has been the pastor of this vibrant church since 1999. Don Abel is a member of the church who has attended for several years. They both are passionate about building a community of believers who have a close relationship with God and each other, and talk about how they use Jesus' calling to facilitate this within their church body. I've been at St. Agnes here in Fort Wright now for 18 years and proud to be the, the pastor of this community. There are just a, a lot of very good people here. The thing that's been very impressive for me over the years here at St. Agnes, a couple things, we, we have, in our Catholic tradition, we have Mass every day, and uh, we have a Mass at 6.30 in the morning, and uh, <clears throat> amazing crowd. I mean, sometimes the little the chapel that we have holds about 60, 70 people, and sometimes there have even been standing room only, and uh, this has always impressed me, the people's commitment and dedication to that, and for me personally, this is always a, a good way to start today or be a part of my day. Well, I think, you know, the whole communal dimension of being Christian and a witness, I mean, it all, obviously it supports us in our individual witness, but also I think witnessing as a, as a body, even today I'll tell people, you know, if they are maybe feeling they're not getting so much out of church or going to Mass, you know, I'll say, well, the thing you have to always remember is you never know how much other people are getting out of seeing you there. And, a story I've often told is, I remember a few years ago there was a priest in Chicago that was kind of ta- trailed by a, pr- a reporter for about a week or so, and he was in a really tough neighborhood, and you know, about the only people that came to church were the people that you know didn't have enough resources to move out, and a lot of gang and drug problems in the neighborhood, and certainly not a lot of younger people coming to the mass there, church there. And after a couple of days, the, the reporter said, you know, Father, you know, you know, why do you do this? I said, you know, you're, you're, you're really a failure. I mean, your churches aren't thriving. You're, uh, you know, you're not, uh, you know, bringing in people. It doesn't seem like there's even a great deal of interest except among a lot of older people. And he, he said, you know, I do this so that the rumor of God may not disappear from this place. And I always thought that was such a, a powerful answer. And uh, Maybe it's not raising, it sounds like it's not raising the bar real high, you know, but in some, some circles, I mean, the, trying to keep the idea of the rumor of God alive, I think, is a, is a very important uh, ministry. And uh, 
Uh, I mean, Jesus used imagery like, you know, that we're to be a light in the world and to be like leaven in the bread and sort of an acknowledgement that maybe in this broken world, not everybody's going to be a part of or agree with uh, Christianity or the church, but, you know, that we still are faithful to it and, and strive to be a, a light to the world. And, you know, I think we all go through ups and downs in our religious practices and, uh, you know, trying to be committed to it over the long haul and kind of make sure uh, we're there when there are some important things for us to, to hear. So I think just that points to that sort of that disposition and openness to the possibility of God's grace uh, through a community, through a church. And there's a lot, a lot there to be grateful for if, we're, if uh, you know, we're uh, inclined to, to pay attention to our lives and to the blessings that come to us. Uh, I guess as I've gotten older, as I mentioned earlier, I think I'm 60 years old and the way your perspectives change in religion, it's, uh, you know, the seeing that a uh, thing that I think is part of what resonates so much with the Jesus Calling book is that life is often just, is a journey of coming to, to trust God in a lot of ways, uh, in all ways actually, and then of course uh, to live a life of thanksgiving, you know, to a greater appreciation of the blessings that we, we do have in the context of the uh, world that we live in. I think another thing I uh, felt was good in, in the, or feel is good in the Jesus Calling book is, you know, she's not shy about talking about that we live in a, a, a world that's not utopian. It's a flesh and blood world that has its brokenness. And I guess it was November of 2015, a woman in our parish uh, gave me a, an edition of it. I think it was around November. And it was the edition that just had Sarah Young's meditation for the day, uh, a reflection, and then had the scripture citations, but didn't have the scripture passage actually printed out. So I started reading at reading those. I had never heard of the book before, and uh, was really impressed with the things that Sarah Young was saying. Uh, you know that as I tell people, you know, it's, it's just not a collection of puff pieces for like. <laughs> You know, that she really talks about, you know, that we live in a broken world. You know, she talks about sometimes our, our uh, tendency to make planning an idol in our life and trying to over-control things. I saw that, and then I was in a bookstore, and I, I looked and then saw the edition of Jesus Calling that actually had the scripture citations printed out. And I thought, well, this is great having it all on one page there each day. So I went ahead and bought a copy of, of that. It was That was probably, I guess, in late 2015, early 2016. And I just kept on reading with that. And then every once in a while, talking with people, and honestly, in confessional, you know, I would suggest that they, they read the book. I was amazed a number of times that people said, oh, I'm, I already am. <laughs> and uh, and they, they really thought it was a very helpful book, too. Uh, and so just kind of begin this, uh, I guess you could say, momentum for it. For several years at our parish at Christmas, we've given out a book or a CD to people who attended Mass on Christmas night, uh, Midnight Mass and Christmas Day and so forth. And I thought, well, this is really a, really be a great book to give out. As Father Keene said, then he contacted me, I guess it was last fall time. And, yeah, fall of 2016. And I can't remember the conversation or how I reacted to him when he said, well, we, we want to try to get these. And I think I just said, okay, I'll figure something out. You know, in the end, it, it wasn't me. It was, uh, frankly, I believe the Holy Spirit uh, directing me and others who I reached out to to say, hey, who wants to chip in and help pay for these books this year? Uh, and and uh, we had a couple of donors that 
sort of threw out some uh, some matching. They said, "Here, we'll give this if you can make this much." And before you knew it, we had enough money to pay for the books without even going into the parish budget. Yeah, yeah which yeah, which there was some money sort of in there for that. It just wasn't as much as you know we thought we were going to need to pay for the books. And uh, so it, it was even a bonus that we could, I think, basically provide them to the parish for nothing for through generous donations. It's been amazing the way it's worked out. I kind of agree with Don's assessment about just the way the Holy Spirit has kind of worked through all this. Uh, it's, it's been a it's been very gratifying and very humbling, to be frank. I'll say this. These ex these kinds of experiences were helped me remind me that it's the Holy Spirit working, not me. I think at last tally, we've ordered, I think, close to 1,400 books from them. Uh, most of those we've given away. We gave, we gave most of them away at Christmas and all that. But now when people move into the parish, it's part of the welcome package. I, I meet with people in, when they're going to move in, and I sort of do give an overview of the parish and try to encourage them in their the practice of their faith and all that, but then I'll introduce the Jesus Calling book and say this is a, a gift that we want to give to you as a parish and as you enter our parish. And I really encourage people to, to use it. For a lot of people that, you know, just don't really, honestly don't have a, a prayer practice in place just yet, I think Jesus Calling is perhaps a good structured way you know, to begin in a manageable way, you know, you know, it takes a few minutes each day. I think probably at the beginning of the day is the better time uh, to kind of set yourself for the day and, uh, you know, just to prayerfully, slowly, intentionally read what she has written and then to read the passages. Uh, I usually then go back and reread her reflection. Uh, I think it's just a, a, a good practice to have and, and to be open where that might lead you as far as other prayer practices so we get you know re reactions from the books we've given in the past from different but the re the reaction the positive reaction uh, in january and february of this year from the books we gave out at christmas is like like way beyond anything we've ever had in the past yeah. i mean people so which is gratifying to know that a, a fair number of people are, are using the book and uh, and finding it helpful. To add to that, I'm involved in a few different, you know, ministries and groups up here, and it continues to be a wow. Did you did you read that? Did the one today? Yeah. Did you read the one today? You know, and it's it's kind of cool. It does provide a uh, a little bit of a common experience for people that they can share and talk about, or you know, and even maybe go deeper with as far as you know their own personal experience about how that might resonate with what. Uh, Sarah Young wrote on a particular day or the scripture passages for those days that's that's the thing I, I like about it, it you know I, I often think with regard to scriptures you know it, it's a first of all it's a, a daunting book for a lot of people and then when you see all the commentaries and you know and realize it's in a language that's different so you know there's things that get lost in translation and commentaries and and I think a lot of people maybe don't see how they can personally relate to or in a contemporary setting relate to what's in the scriptures and I think you know that you know the reflection that Sarah Young writes for each day kind of gets your mind in one place and then the quotations from scripture you know they kind of you kind of have to, okay well this is this is what this can mean for me today or this is you know even this is what it meant back then and yeah they were they had human issues like I do today and uh, it just sort of, I think, makes the scriptures more uh, accessible to people, uh, not only for their you know, possibly historic value, and but you know for their spiritual value, you know even their you know, poetic value that 
uh, you know, a way that they can touch people's lives today. Yeah, you know, the format of the book, I think, is what makes it different than books we've received in the past. Frankly, it's a thicker book, and a lot of people look yeah. at it at first and they're like, oh, wow, that's kind of scary. And then, you know, when I hand it out to them and I say, you know what, this is three to five minutes of your day, and it's going to change your life. And then they're like, well, how's that possible? I said, because you're reading a page a day, you know? <laughs> and, and then they're like, oh, okay. And But I think it was the book itself that is spawning the excitement about it. And she writes so simply and straightforwardly, yeah. you know, in her commentary, it's like, it's just so easy to understand. And, and as Father said, then you've got the scripture passages right below it that helps you understand them. Yeah. You know, what does this really mean? And, you know, somebody reading the Bible, no matter how many times you read it, right, you're going to find something new in, in a particular passage even. So just her, the simplicity and th that she puts everything in, I think, makes a huge difference for all of us regular Joes. Some people will say, you know, I, I don't want to stop at one page. I want to start reading all <laughs> And I, I tell people, don't say, no, I say, stick to the discipline of yeah. it. You know, just read one page a day. You know, it, it's there's always a lot there to think about, and it's good that you want to come back the next day. Then I bought a few extra ones, and and I I gave them to my family at Christmas time too. And my dad, I think, I don't think he touched it until the middle of February. And then he said he started reading. It and he said he went, oh, he had to go catch up. So he <laughs> he went. Back. But so we don't have to catch up because this is a forever book. Yeah. You know, and so that, that was kind of nice. And I think they just like the reassurance uh, that the book, uh, both Sarah's, Young's uh, reflections and also the scripture that that, that gives them. That's, that's kind of been, a, I guess, a, a theme, if I could say, you know, uh, I can't remember any particular individual story, uh, but uh, just the, the sort of the, the book itself and its daily reassurances and challenges. I mean, it's like I say, it's not just always about affirmations. It's also it's got some pretty good challenges in there. I was speaking with another parishioner here one day. In fact, it was I think it was the Sunday we were kind of cleaning up after the last Christ Renews. Yeah. And we're just sitting in a car and, and, and talking about some things. And, and he he was kind of, you know, uh, opening himself up to me a little bit. And, but then he himself said, and I've been reading this book every day, and it's been so much help just to get through some of this stuff that I'm going through. Um, so I, I just think it's, like I said before, it's, such, it's so simple for me when I read it every day. It's not necessarily that there's a gigantic new message. But it's, it's, it says it in a different way, and it's so consistent, and it just, it reminds me that, you know, you got to walk with Jesus all day, every day. And that's not easy to do when we're constantly, you know, bombarded with all the stuff we think we have to do. Uh, and so that, that, that part where you say, okay, Jesus, just let me know what's supposed to happen today, and I'll just follow down that path. Uh, that happens t over time, I think. And... And I, I think it's just happening in this parish that way because of this book, even more so than it was before. Yeah. I think just uh, what Don was saying, to piggyback on that a little bit, uh, you know, you hear words like Jesus, you know, Jesus loves you and God loves you a lot, uh, almost to a point where, you know, it, you know, you start to say, okay, well, okay, what's next? <laughs> you know, and, and don't really 
appreciate the real gravitas of what that means. And I think, you know, when the book Jesus Calling kind of helps you to, to really enter that more deeply, you know, that, you know, that there's been some passages, I can't remember the particular days where, you know, she talks about, you know, you may feel like, you know, you've kind of walked away from me and that I've turned, but you know, that I, I am with you in your, 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 your life. You know, there's nothing, there is nothing that you can do that's ever going to turn, turn my love away from you. Uh, and and never be afraid to turn toward my love. I think this book, and, and I've tried a lot of different things in a lot of different ways over the years just to help deepen my spirituality. And some things work better than others. And this has really helped me, I believe, just take that next step to, you know, to realizing that he's there all the time in the day. And, and even little things like I'm trying to do to just remember that and say, thank you. You know, thank you, Jesus. I know you're here. I know this is a tough spot. And that's where I find myself even more and more recognizing it is, okay, this isn't going well right now, something, whatever it might be. And I'm like, take a deep breath. You know, I need a little help here, Lord. And, uh, you know, then move on. Probably really all of our discipleship in the end is, is one of gratitude or based on gratitude that we, we live lives trying to glorify the Lord because we know there's so much we owe. Our journey in life is about coming to recognize something that's really very salutary and, and healing and beautiful in our lives. To find out more about how to use Jesus Calling with your church or small group, visit jesuscalling.com churches. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we visit with Sadie Robertson, star of ABC's Dancing with the Stars, and also A&E's Duck Dynasty. Sadie is passionate about speaking and writing in the hopes of encouraging others. Her latest book is entitled, Live Fearless and Walk in Confidence of Freedom. I had this kind of cry out to God. I was like, God, why did you make me famous? Because I think you chose the wrong person. I don't think I'm supposed to be a famous person. I don't look like any of these other teenage girls. I don't act like any of these other teenage girls. Am I supposed to look like them? Because I don't, and I would just have this like whole moment. And I just remember so clearly the Lord speaking to me and saying, Sadie, I don't need you to be another famous person. I need you to be a sister and a friend to people who don't have a sister and a friend. When people see your page, I don't even want them to see you. I want them to see me and the, my character. Today's passage comes from the July 19th entry of the Jesus Calling audiobook. Bring me all your feelings, even the ones you wish you didn't have. Fear and anxiety still plague you. Feelings per se are not sinful, but they can be temptations to sin. Blazing missiles of fear fly at you day and night these attacks from the evil one come at you relentlessly. Use your shield of faith to extinguish those flaming arrows. Affirm your trust in me, regardless of how you feel. If you persist, your feelings will eventually fall in line with your faith. Do not hide from your fear or pretend it isn't there. Anxiety that you hide in the recesses of your heart will give birth to fear of fear, a monstrous stepchild. Bring your anxieties out into the light of my presence, where we can deal with them together. 
concentrate on trusting me, and fearfulness will gradually lose its foothold within you. Hear more great stories about the impact Jesus Calling is having all over the world. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling podcast on iTunes. We value your reviews and comments so we can reach even more people with the message of Jesus Calling. And if you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.